So there's two main sources of protein in foods. There's structural proteins, which is like collagen and keratin. And those proteins help like the elastic parts of your body, your arms, your skin, muscle, all that. And then there's globular proteins, which are the proteins that are exist in your blood plasma. So the two proteins in hemp are called albumin and edestin. And albumin is the most abundant protein in blood plasma. And edestin is extremely similar to blood globulin, which is the second most abundant protein in plasma. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Michael Battaglia, the founder and CEO of Cousin Hemp, a company on a mission to provide innovative hemp foods that create a more nutritious and sustainable food system. Having moved from New York to a chicken farm in Iowa, Michael began to realize how broken the United States agricultural industry is, which then started his journey towards finding a solution. And this is what Cousin Hemp hopes to do. In this episode, I get the pleasure of giving his current products a try and look forward to spreading them to you as a tasty alternative to the processed foods that sit on today's grocery shelves. So if you'd like to learn more about how hemp can be a healthy addition to your life and the stories that Michael has of the ups and downs of starting a CPG company during a pandemic, this episode is for you. Please give a warm welcome to Michael Battaglia. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today we're going to jump right into it. I have my friend Michael Battaglia in the house. And I wanted to start this off with how the hell did you go from moving from New York to the middle of nowhere, Iowa, and most of your neighbors were chickens? Run me through that story. I guess I had been uh, living in New York City and I got fired from my first job in tech sales and my friend's father was involved in this agricultural biosecurities company slash industrial biosecurities company that was getting their way into the produce industry and had recruited me to like, head up their soiree into produce. And right as that was getting going, the avian influenza bird flu came about in the Midwest and all plans for produce were off. And I got moved out to Fort Dodge, Iowa, which is like hour and a half northwest of Des Moines, town of 20,000 people with uh, the main exports there being gypsum for sheetrock and chicken eggs for um, basically the entire uh, Midwest to West Coast. And um, for the next almost four years, I lived between there on two industrial chicken farms in a chicken farm in North Carolina, um, in like Hyde County, which is like middle of nowhere, Southwest North Carolina. When you were 10 years old, did you ever see yourself living on a chicken farm? 
<laughs> well, no, I didn't even know what these things were. I had no idea that like chickens live stacked up in, in boxes and cages by the millions. And uh, I knew I wanted to be around food. My family um, dealt in like produce trading in the Northeast. So I always knew that I wanted to like deal with food and I didn't even account chicken eggs within that, but I was grateful for my experience there. When you say trading food, what does that mean? Oh, like um, produce distributors. So like they would get trucks full of lemons and oranges, watermelons, tomatoes, and then sell it to other people that were selling produce and then sell it directly to restaurants and directly to colleges and institutions that are like feeding mass loads of people. Were their parents the ones that got them in that? Or how, tell me that story of yeah. like how the family got involved in that business. My dad's grandfather came over on the boat from South Italy, Sicily, and came with this produce industry and business and um, set up shop in Troy, New York, which is like right on the Hudson River. And for a long time, they were distributing produce from like New York to Chicago to Pennsylvania. And my mother's family also came over from Sicily with a produce business and they landed in Buffalo. So both my parents, grandparents had pretty thriving produce businesses for a while. <laughs> and that's how your parents met, like being in the produce industry? Yeah, well, they met and I think they just had this like instant connection of like this blood within produce. <laughs> and I think like oh, that's all she wrote. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So what did your life look like as a kid? Like if you're growing up like in that world, what does the day-to-day -day look like? Um, well, like there was always watermelon and always like just stacks of fresh produce in the fridge and like not a whole lot of other food. So like just like constantly eating that type of diet, which I'm so thankful for now. Um, and like go hang out at the produce warehouse, roller skate and like play hockey in this like massive cooler that like seems to like never end and like watch your dad deal with like his business. But it was always like kind of a highlight of my childhood, seeing people like talk on two phones at the same time and like just be reckless in some industrial warehouse, you know? <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. I love it. It's, it's almost like the exact opposite of how the average person like grows up because especially like through the 90s you're talking everything started becoming more processed and low fat high sugar high carb and you were almost raised in the exact opposite of that world so i'm wearing my shirt here real food is medicine i purposely wore this shirt and i wear it a lot here on on the podcast because i truly believe that real food is the best medicine and you were like 30 years ahead of the game like as soon as you came out the womb like you understood this just because your parents had raised you in a culture in in an environment where real food was the everyday medicine and run me through a little bit of what was the view internally in your family because i see the passion that you have for your business today and i i know where passion comes from for myself and for most people that are passionate about things it stems from typically the things that we are raised in and what we grow in and what we conquer and how we can help the world and feed the world with what we saw or the story that we conquered within ourselves. For you, did the story of you growing up in that culture and that environment parlay into what you started with Cousin Hemp? Totally, man. And not just my youth, but my father ended up dying of cancer. And 
thinking of like all the contributions that make someone become ill with cancer and like uh, accounting for food, accounting for stress, lifestyle, I felt totally compelled to do something that I thought was better for the world, better for my own health and better for the health of those around me and, and the consumers of it. Sorry to hear that. I know what it's like to go through that. If you don't mind me asking when that did happen, what were some of the questions that you were asking yourself? Because obviously it's painful, but you also know that like life goes on, like you have to move on. And how do you turn that pain into purpose in Michael's world? You know, my father, um, the produce business actually went bad. Like he had taken on a partner and, um, as the world turned to processed foods and as these massive food conglomerates took hold of the produce industry and took hold of like food trade in general, I think he just didn't innovate. So he was under a lot of stress, like losing his own produce business. And so like the questions I was asking myself when my father died was like, wow, like what happened here? Like this man was healthy just like a couple weeks ago. Now he looks extremely feeble and um, the doctor says he's going to die in two months. So like, what can you do to make sure that's not your fate? And like, what other things contributed to like this person getting sick? And like, how do you plan better for the future? So like for a long time, like every other thought in my head was like, oh, dude, you have cancer. Like, and you're going to die in a month. Like you get cancer, you know? So like, and I don't, <laughs> I don't think, but like for a long while, like just, I mean, we that. all have cancer. Yeah. We're just delaying. That's <laughs> yeah, the yeah. thing. That's not, that's, that's the truth. It's just like, no one dies of old age anymore. Yeah. You die of diabetes. It's turns into Alzheimer's. You die of a heart attack. You die of some type of cancer. You die of the flu, pneumonia. Like it's rare that anybody just dies peacefully of old age anymore because of the things we are ingesting and because of the environments we're putting ourselves into. So not to make fun of anything, obviously, but even the healthy stuff that we're ingesting, quote unquote, healthy, right, could be causing cancer. And that's where my head normally just goes to, you mentioned stress. And I don't think that's talked enough about. I, I do like that today's society is focusing on mental health a little bit more and like, we are aware that there is a mental health crisis and that something needs to be done. But that really like if your gut feels good and you feel good and fueled with the right fuels your mental health immediately changes i've noticed so what was your diet like then and what kind of changes did you make to fuel a better future for yourself um <laughs> i ate so much pizza i ate so many like uh, italian mixed subs and prosciutto and every chicken cutlet type sandwich I possibly could handle like from 17 till like 28, you know, just like housing food constantly. And um, when I started to work in those chicken farms and like see what was going on in the world of like hog farming and processing and what happened on these cattle ranches, I then cut meat out of my diet for a few years for a few think humane purposes you know and like i was a pretty strict vegan for a while thinking like that was the answer to like quelling any sort of concern i had for like cancer and any concern i had for like longevity purposes and then eventually it worked its way back into my diet and like i try and not eat processed foods now but i'll eat as much 
meat or i'll eat as much cheese and i'll eat as much whatever as i like you know want at this point but i just try and make sure it's not coming out of a plastic bag why did you switch back like i like going down this route because i'm the type of person i've like tried every single diet out there and i think this is a good conversation to have because there's a lot you'll see on social media and a lot of people where they're just like planting their flags and I'm always very cautious and hesitant to ever plant my flag because like the diet that I have could, I could get cancer in 10 years. And then it's like all this shit that I was preaching, like goes out the door. Right. And then the same with whether you're a carnivore or veganism, like we don't truly know there's a lot of evidence for both sides out there. But the one thing that I have found is we are all unique individuals and whatever works for you might not work for me. And that's where I like to allow other people to tell their own story of when you did go vegan, how did you feel? And then what was the transition of, or moment where you're just like, you know what? Like I have new viewpoints because you switched twice. Obviously you switched to being a vegan. Then you switched to the lifestyle that you're living now. And a lot of people are hesitant to like, even changes their clothes, like the way they look. Changing food is such a ingrained thing in us. Coming from somebody that's done that, like run us through what kind of changed your mentality coming out of that. I hate to say it, but like social norms and settings, you know, like it just became really hard to be a vegan living in New York City when like your activities are like dinner and like running around and boozing and all that. And I think like time heals like mental trauma, you know, so like the, the longer I was away from like the industrial agriculture scene, the more comfortable I was like eating meat again. And I also don't like planting a flag and like I'm not one to have hard rules about like anything in my life. So my body was not feeling nourished completely. And like, I knew that it was calling for like more iron or, or more something. And I like felt okay going back and like having meat every once in a while. I don't typically go buy steaks at the grocery store, but I'll have a burger or I'll have a steak when I'm out, you know, like. I like that response. It's super honest, like yeah. social social norms and, and feeling comfortable in your own skin, like goes a long way in the long run. If if you don't feel comfortable with what you're eating, then I look at it as like, what's the point of life? But I'd love to pivot this conversation a little bit because I'm I'm super nerdy. And I told you before that we jumped on here today that I have hemp seeds in my, sh in my smoothie every day. So one of the questions I had is these hemp crunchies is what you call them. So you have three different flavors here. And for those that are just listening on audio, we got Austin barbecue, we got salt and pepper, and we got Creole spice. What is the difference between these and the everyday like shelled hemp seeds that I would go find at like Whole Foods or HEB or things like that? Yeah, so like the shelled hemp seed is within that, you know? So like the inside of that seed is called the hemp heart and the hemp seeds I sell are whole seeds. So like they have like the woody outside, which is extremely fibrous, has a little bit more of the omegas within them as well. And if you like bite into one of those and bite them in half, you'll find like a very white hemp heart in there. And like, I wanted something that was like snackable. You know, I wanted to be able to like pour those something into my hand and have a handful. Like you can't really do that with hemp hearts my intention with hemp is to like bring it into the snacking aisle and really bring it into every aisle um, and just integrate that into 
the everyman's diet. It's grown domestically. All the hemp we consume in North America is pretty much grown either on like the southern border of Canada or in the Dakotas and in Colorado. So like it's something local and um, it's a complete food. I'm sure we're going to get into it. Why hemp? Oh, part of living in Iowa is like seeing these cornfields and seeing these soybean fields and seeing the prep for these fields, right? So there's fertilizer, herbicide, and pesticide, okay? Fertilizer, fertile land. They pretreat the soil. Herbicide, they spray the crop to kill the weeds that are growing in it. And pesticide, they spray the crops again to kill the pests that are growing up the corn stalks and around the soybeans. So hemp, for whatever reason, it's a miracle crop. It doesn't require fertilizer. It doesn't require herbicide or pesticide. It grows naturally on its own without all these petrochemical fertilizers all over the field, which then get in the water, which then get into your system, make you sick. So like if we're growing hundreds of millions of acres of corn and soybeans and cotton and all this stuff, it's like, okay, look, there are a bit, there's a better option here. And in my opinion, hemp is that option. All the food that we grow in the Midwest goes to feeding cattle, chicken and pigs. So it's like, okay, we're growing non-complete proteins to feed these animals and these crops require a ton of water and require all the things I just mentioned about the treatment of soil and all that. It's like, there is a better option out there. And in my opinion, how did you come to that opinion? So how did hemp enter your life in the first place? I wasn't a big pot smoker in high school, uh, actually, but like, I think a lot of people, when they think of hemp, they think of marijuana. I befriended this older gentleman that worked for Monsanto when I was living in Iowa. Yeah. Like I would go to the YMCA there, like, you know, for like 6am workouts. And there was just this like awesome eclectic group of like 60 to 80 year old people like hanging out there in the morning. And like, they totally took me in. And this gentleman that I'm not going to name really put me under his wing and like taught me about what's going on in that world of fertilizer, pesticide, herbicide, and like seed genetics. And, um, he told me his inside opinion on all of it. And like he said that, you know, hemp is a better option for these things, X, Y, and Z. So he blew my mind. And then like that next year, the USDA farm bill came about and re-legalized the cultivation of industrial hemp. So I was like, all right, this is perfect timing. I'm, I'm going to go do this. That was 2018, right? That was 2018. Yeah. yeah. So you were what age then? I was 28. Yeah. The reason I asked you that because I don't give a shit about age. It's more so people listening can realize that like finding your passion can happen going to the local YMCA. Yeah. Hanging out with 60 to 80 year olds <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, on a whim, right? Yeah, like yeah. that's where a lot of the questions that I always get asked is like, how do I find my passion or how do I find my purpose? It's just like, you just got to do shit and you got to show up every day. And then eventually it's just like, aha, this is something I can sink my teeth into. But it's one thing for the guy you're hanging out with at the local YNCA to be like, yeah, this is this is a thing. And then it's another thing to actually go and execute on it. Ideas are cheap. Execution is expensive. When did you start actually executing on the fact that you have a passion for hemp and you want to bring this passion into the world? Well, the company I was working for was a biosecurities company. And they were transitioning from dealing with the AI 
issue, even if one's an issue, and getting into like hospital decontamination. This company previously treated the Senate building and all of the mail buildings that received anthrax in the 2001 terrorist attack. They have like the technology to encapsulate these structures and sterilize like non-porous surfaces. So that's what we were doing in Iowa. That's what they wanted to do in produce. And like all in all, that chemical leaves very little residual and it's like relatively environmentally friendly and is like uh, friendly on the live organisms it's interacting with. So some really crazy shit went down at that job that included like getting burnt with chemicals actually, um, having to like step in when someone didn't show up. And um, for reasons, I decided to quit and leave. And I just had had enough of like, being told to go do like X, Y, and Z. So I was like, all right, like I've got some money. The pandemic is like around the corner. You know, they were talking about this like left and right in China. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to like file this LLC. Um, I was visiting family in Florida at the time. I quit my job on the phone, um, made an LLC like the next day. And I thought like, all right, this business is going to take right off. People are going to come to my website. They're going to be like ordering whatnot left and right. But still isn't there you know i get i have customers and i have loyal customers but like i'm not to the point where it's in like uh whole foods or in like the massive grocery stores so um it's a long road yet yet exactly (laughs) yeah exactly anything worth doing is going to take a while yeah What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Michael. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Michael Battaglia. What was the first concept idea for hemp, for what you wanted to do? So my first product was hemp seeds and coffee. I was just grinding raw hemp seed into ground coffee and hemp regulates cortisol in the body. So like, were you doing this for yourself or were you thinking of a product? I was thinking of things that people eat and consume every day and like how hemp could integrate it to make that product better. And like coffee, I was consuming too much coffee. So I was thinking, okay, this (laughs) is biohacking now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then like the next product was this protein that's on the table and podcasters were starting to talk about the benefits of hemp protein and like how hemp protein is different than the other options that were available on the market. And I was like, okay, no brainer. Like so many people consume protein and like, 
if I can make this out of a more environmentally friendly and better source, then I'm going to do that. So I like found the sources and got labels made and packed it all up. And like, how long did that take? Like six months, six months. What were you doing? Like, like when you wake up every morning, what were your thought? What was your thought process? Cause it takes six <sighs> months and you're just like burning cash. Oh my so Lord. what's going through your head? Like business plan, just a bunch of wasted time, honestly. Like, <laughs> like, like taglines and like sales pitches and sales sheets, like just stuff that honestly, at the end of the day, I still haven't even used. It's just about putting the rubber to the road and like going out there and pushing it. You know? What is that? So, what does rubber to road look like in the hemp industry? I'm trying to educate people on hemp. Like, my feelings are that so many issues in the world are connected to the food industry. And if we could start integrating hemp more heavily into our diets and to the diets of the people around the world, which is possible, then a lot of these issues would subside. Like earlier in the conversation, you said like when your gut's feeling good, you feel good. In order for your gut to feel good, you need all these minerals, you need all these omegas, and you need all this protein. And like all those things are found very bioavailably in hemp. When you say bioavailable, what do you mean? Okay, so there's two main sources of protein in foods. There's structural proteins, which is like collagen and keratin. And those proteins help like the elastic parts of your body, your arms, your skin, muscle, all that. And then there's globular proteins, which are the proteins that are exist in your blood plasma. So the two proteins in hemp are called albumin and edestin. And albumin is the most abundant protein in blood plasma. And edestin is extremely similar to blood globulin, which is the second most abundant protein in plasma. So like it's very easy for your body to uh, digest hemp and transport it to the part of your body that needs it. What does that result in somebody feeling like? Satiated. So they say hemp is extremely satiating because of all the omegas. So like you can have a couple handfuls of those hemp crunchies and you'll feel, okay, your body's telling you, all right, man, like you've had enough. Like you can stop, you can put these down now. We've got enough protein, we've got enough magnesium and zinc and all those things and like we can move on and our brain will feel good and we're not going to think about digging our hand back in and take another handful. Which in a world where 40% of the people are obese right now, <laughs> yeah. I feel like we could do a, a little bit less of reaching for more foods and from what you're saying, it sounds like that hemp could be one of those solutions. Now, I know you're a smart guy and like you're not like, uh, hemp is going to cure everything. Obviously you mentioned food being a problem for a lot of other problems. If you feel like we could fix some of the problems in the food industry, what would the ripple effect be for other industries in your eyes? A tough question to answer with a straight face because, uh, we need someone to like accredit this, but Man, depression comes from not having enough magnesium in your diet and not having enough minerals in your body. That causes sleep deprivation. That causes a lot of the issues we see in mental health today comes from real food as medicine. You know, we don't have enough real food in our diets and that's causing a lot of the mental health crisis, a lot of like the achy joints, all that. Yeah. In conclusion, the, what I think about is just like a lot of the problems we see in all these industries at the end of the day, industries and companies and products and brands are just comprised of people. So like broken systems were created by broken people. And if we were to fix 
the the root cause, which I'm in full agreement that food, sleep, sun, there's some things that if we just helped everybody get educated on, this world overnight would become a better place if they started integrating that into their lives. And that's where I kind of want to shift this conversation into like the integration of this product and how you've gone about educating and getting this product integrated into the community. So today, what does Cousin Hemp look like? Like, how is it integrated into the community? And what are the things you've been doing to educate and to bring to light why this product and why this plant is so important to the world? So I thought it was really important to target like the convenience store market, get these seeds living next to sunflower seeds and next to Doritos and next to things that people are grabbing to like mange while they work, getting it in places where people that are choosing less healthy options can have a healthier option. That's also shelf stable and can look like what's already there. So my main sales targets are like 7-Elevens, mobile gas stations, those types of customers. And um, secondly, I try and go out every day and contact a random stranger on the street and I like have it live on uh, Instagram live. And I say, hey, we're on Hemp Seed TV. If you can tell me one thing about the history of hemp, I will gift you these hemp seeds. And like, honestly, like 70% of people like brush me off and I just like laugh and find another like more welcoming stranger. And that's really just for like the promotion and to like have people hear the same facts every day. So like I say, hemp seeds have more protein per ounce than chicken, more omega-3s per ounce than salmon, more iron than beef, more fiber than a bale of hay kind of thing. You know, like (laughs) I I just like I want people to hear the same stuff over and over again. So like it'll stick in their head that hemp has all these things and it's palatable and we can mange on it, snack on it. Yeah, and, and one of the things that you've said, and I've saw, I've seen you say, and it sticks in my head, like it took so, it was so quick for me to like retain this. It was like Father Time, Mother Earth, Cousin Hint. There we go, baby. Yeah. Um, so, how did you learn to go about doing that? Because that's like those are some marketing tactics in there, and people listening, like you could, you should be taking notes right now because <laughs> even just going around and asking people, like first of all, that's frightening. Like, it's scary to just, like, go up to somebody and randomly ask them, like, hey, like, tell me something about hemp. Tell me something about anything is scary to most people. Where did you pick that up on? Was that just naturally you? Or are you, like, in your brain, are you forcing yourself to do this because you have this bigger mission? Or have you taken courses? Do you have a mentor? Have you read books? Like, run us a little bit through, like, from the marketing aspect of getting your brand out there. How has that happened for you? Well, like for a long time, I wasn't doing this and like I didn't feel very good mentally like this. I've been doing this for two years and for a couple months in there, it's been like, holy crap, what did you get yourself into? So it's just about picking yourself up every day and being like, okay, I'm going to go do this so I'll feel better afterwards. I feel much better when I post one of those videos and I love dealing with people and like I have good intentions so i don't feel badly about like approaching people in the street because i have a smile on i'm trying to give them healthy food and it just comes from a place of love so like there's no failure in it you know and like i never like had any rules growing up or whatever but it was always just like look someone in the eye and shake their hand and be kind and see like what you can do for them and you're gonna walk away feeling good so like I don't like to do it where like the cool kids are hanging out in Austin, you know, like the dudes that are our age that are like 
too cool for school i like to go to like the tourists and i like to go to like elderly people or whatever you know just because like they're more receptive to like some other guy you know but it's about finding the right people to interact with as well i love that i just call it like the old soul old school mentality yeah really at the end of the day it's people don't realize that the most selfish thing you can do is be selfless and that's where it's like most people don't understand that even like this podcast like man, the amount of hours and time that I put into this and like we were doing like a little mini photo shoot prior to this, it gets me thinking like where in my life can I continue to give more and more and more? But at the end of the day, like it sparks a creative thing in me and it like it fulfills me. And that's what I think really this world is lacking. And I talked about it on a previous podcast where people don't know what it's like to do that because it's never been shown to them. We live in a world where it's very take, 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 and you go to school to get grades for yourself. It's not, hey, let's go to school and help the weakest link get better so that the whole class graduates with at least a B or above. Like, I don't understand why we're not doing that. So when it comes to hemp and like foods and things like that, it's just like you're a one-man army right now. So one of the questions I have for you is like, how do you turn that one-man army into two, four, eight, 16 have you thought about that what what does that look like yeah uh it takes a lot of trust and it takes a lot of maturity to let go of like what you call your baby i have a guy right now who is looking to get involved in my business and it makes me really nervous but it, it takes trust in the other person and it takes a good leader to have other people like behave in, in the way that they need for the mission to like get accomplished. And like, I want in someone to work with and I want somebody to help bring this to the next level. It's about driving sales. It's about having the right structure for others to stand on. And uh, I think I'm getting there, you know? And yeah, I think it's trust. Let's flip that then. What in your eyes, makes you trust somebody else so what could somebody else do to build trust with you and then therefore you can 180 it and then see that in somebody else intuition you know i think like a lot of a lot of my behavior comes from gut feelings and delivering value and having a succinct mission and having a succinct desire i don't want someone that is going to get involved because they think this is going to be a billion dollar business. I want someone to get involved who thinks that like our agricultural system is needs some work and like they want to uh, like bring hemp along the way to like make that work happen. And work needs to put in. And the cool thing is you're, you're a man of your word. Before we were shooting here today in the DM, before you were rolling up, you asked me if I needed help moving out of my house right now. And I loved it. Like I don't, I don't need help. Thankfully, we're, we're almost done, but it was really nice to see somebody else. And you get this with a lot of small business owners and startup owners where it's like the value goes above and beyond the product or the brand or the service. It's just like, how can we lend a hand in any area of life? And that is something that I look for in people that I want to work with or that builds trust with me. So even just you doing that and you leading by that, you're going to get people that is something that I would tell you as you're trying to not let go of your baby, but like 
maybe have somebody babysit it for the weekend mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that you can go out and enjoy yourself, right? And forget about the baby for, for 12 hours. Look for the ingredient of, are they willing to help in other areas outside of that? Because that's something that you showed me in the DM and that made me trust you a little bit more because you weren't just, just for the audience to understand. Like this week I was just like, you know what? I'm going to try a new idea. I'm always trying new ideas. So I was like, I'm going to go on my Instagram story and be like, Hey, I have an open slot, even though like I already recorded this week. So I was like, let's just see who responds to this and like start new conversations. I have an open slot on the podcast. Michael reached out to me. And then because he reached out to me, then he also had the opportunity to build trust with me by asking me to help me move when that has nothing to do with our podcast. So I'm giving you the story, the audience, the story so that they can see a little bit of like for business owners. And if you want to get in the startup world and you want to be an entrepreneur, like trust is a huge thing. It's pretty cool that you mentioned that because on a LinkedIn post, Jake Allen runs his own media coming out, but he was at one time, one of my interns. Um, and he helps me with show notes and some other things for this podcast. He wrote on LinkedIn talking about trust And then he didn't write any practical or tactical things in that LinkedIn post. So I was like, all right, I'm going to tee this up for him. In a comment, I was like, okay, well, what are some of the things that you could build trust with? And then after that, he wrote this like response that was phenomenal. And then I respond with in text, I'm like, took a screenshot of it. I was like, dude, this is legit. You need to make a video out of this. And here's some ways that you can really hit home on like this trust factor. And I'm painting that picture so other people can see like, when you see things, do something about it. Like if you see something, you think something in your head, like actually do something about it. I think we live in a complacent world where people would literally just like, they'll see you on the street and run away from you rather than like, hey, that guy looks like he's handing something out. Like he looks like a nice guy and he looks like he's over for a conversation. Why can't I be the guy that you converse with? And that's another thing that I think I just have seen from you that I would love other people to kind of step into where it's just, just like you said, that intention. If you have great intentions, just just go all out. So I'd love for you to chat a little about, about what you hope Cousin Hemp becomes. Because I think, especially like in the small business world and the startup world, we're so in the nitty gritty every single day that we don't get to talk enough about like what we really want this thing to become. And secondly, we don't hang around enough people that are like, I believe you're going to actually do that. Like, we don't have enough Elon Musks as our friend where it's just like, this dude's like, I'm going to go to fucking Mars. And most people like 10 years ago, were like, you're not going to go to Mars. Versus now today, people are like, this dude is going to go to Mars, yeah. <laughs> right? So I want to be that guy. Thrive, the brand always wants to be the brand that compels people to believe in themselves. And feel free to take the floor now and just be like, what is that? moonshot goal for cousin him i'm trying to be an astronaut you know i'm a kid in kindergarten saying that he's going to be an astronaut in a humble way selfishly i want cousin hemp to produce hemp food goods that live in every aisle of the grocery store and live on our bodies clothing animal feed everything I i want hemp to take center stage in the food system if it's not my hemp company I hope that a hemp company sets the stage and I hope that a hemp company takes over the food system and it's very normal for you to eat hemp pretzels, hemp chips, hemp everything. Personally, yes, I would love to see it be cousin hemp, but in my mind and soul, 
I just want to see change in this industry. So um, I think it's funny you say Elon Musk wants to go to Mars. Like one of my mentors is like, you just need to be an astronaut and like get people behind you to like give you the funds you need to build the things that you talk about. And I believe that's going to happen. I think your mental state and your intentions drive your reality. And my mental state every day is believing that this is the right thing to be doing and believing that this is going to work out. So I think just showing up every day and like working hard and doing what you think needs to be done next uh, is all I can do right now. And like is what needs to be done to bring it to the next level. I love that response. And, and I believe it too, just hanging out with you for the past hour here, just the vibe that you give off. And one of the things that I like to re remind myself of is like, you got to be in the dirt before you're in the clouds. So what I mean by that is you're just in the dirt right now. Like we're both in our early thirties. We're building right now, but like 10 years from now, we're not going to be the builders anymore. I view it as we're the people that are helping the builders who are bringing our, our visions to life. And because we were in the dirt, we understand what it takes to get to the clouds versus I think in a lot of ways in today's world, especially on social media, where it's like people want to be in the clouds without ever being in the dirt. And there's this huge disconnect because they don't understand what it takes to build that solid foundation. And if you don't have that solid foundation, like it's never going to go anywhere. Like bringing back Elon Musk, whether you like him or you hate him, the dude has built shit like for decades, right? So most people think like Tesla or SpaceX or whatever, but like PayPal, like my business uses PayPal almost every week. <laughs> and it's just like, damn, that guy was part creator of that. And it's just like, it's levels to this game. So the reason I'm going down this path is like, what's the next level for Cousin Hemp to bring that sky to reality. So you're in the dirt now, but like, how do we get you a foot off the ground? Because maybe someone listening out there could be that person that helps you get that next 12 inches. Honestly, um, I need a million bucks. I need a couple million dollars to build some food products that will be extremely disruptive. And um, I'd love to mention them uh, right now, but it's going to give me anxiety because I prototype this stuff in my home <laughs> kitchen and it's ready to go. But uh, I need some serious funds to uh, put that in mass I wouldn't market. consider a million serious. Yeah, I agree. It's really like 10 million, but I'm just going to start uh, slow. <laughs> hey, you know, um, put it out there, man. The, the yeah, first dude. thing to bring anything to existence is to fucking believe in it yourself. Oh, yeah. I, I, I believe in it wholeheartedly. And I like uh, take my own financial security uh, too lightly because I believe so heavily that this is going to turn on very soon. Your case study right now, I love this, this, this conversation. So yeah. what would it take for you to get $10 million? Uh, it's one conversation, you know? What else? Um, what, is it, what does that person from that conversation want? Because again, the reason I'm, I'm nitpicking like this is because there's someone on the other end of this conversation right now who's listening that also has this idea that's like, damn, I'm in the same position. So maybe they can take something from you where it's, okay, 1 million, 10 million, 100 million, whatever what needs to happen so that when that conversation happens, like opportunity is abundant. People taking advantage of those opportunities, scarce. 
So that's the thing. It's just like when you get that one shot, what do they need to see so that it just home run out of the park? I, I need someone to understand how bad the soy industry is. And I need somebody to understand how much better things could be if we reduced some of these petrochemical intensive crops and started putting in a more environmentally friendly crop. Hemp sequesters more carbon per square foot than the rainforest. Are you kidding me? We could do this locally and regenerate the soil. Like the soil in America has less nutrients in it than it did 50 years ago. That means all the food that grows in that soil has less nutrients. Hemp makes soil more bioavailable and restores nutrients to that soil. So I need somebody that understands the food system is pretty bad and there is a seamless alternative that farmers could very easily rotate into their existing crops. So like, if you don't mind me, I'm going to go down on this tangent about yeah, the, let's, the, let's the co-op system. So the reason that we continue to grow corn and soybeans at the scale we do is because the infrastructure is set up to process and handle those crops. So like every 30 miles, there's a massive grain elevator and grain storage bins and ethanol production plant to take that corn out of the field, chop it up, store it, turn it into ethanol, turn it into cattle feed. Hemp can be grown in rotation with corn and then be processed and handled in these same facilities. So it just takes the slight equipment uh, changeover to then be able to cut that hemp up and heat it to the right degree that it needs to be heated to to produce ethanol or ferment it the way it needs to be fermented, you know? So it just takes ideological change and it takes a little bit of infrastructure change and it takes sliding into the current infrastructure. Change has to happen cohesively, you know, like you need something that isn't going to be like, now we're, you know, I was going to say now we're running cars and electricity, which is like, okay, this is great, but like electricity still but it coming yeah, from- Yeah, the root, it doesn't solve the root. Yeah, it's still yeah. coming from some power source, yeah. you know? So like, it's like, okay, well, we use these crops to do this. Let's use this crop to do this because it has these benefits. And the thing about it, this is what confuses me why, why- the transition of like going to real food doesn't happen fast enough for me is it affects everyone. There's few things that truly affect from a socioeconomic level, everybody, no matter if you're poor or rich, the soil going bad is bad for all of us, everyone, because even if you are rich, it's going to get harder and harder and harder to get the quality of food that you want. And the one thing that rich people hate the most is inefficiencies. They like freedom. They like being able to like live their lives and do the things they want to do. And if you can't get your food, so one of the things I've thought through is like, man, it's going to take things to get really bad before they get really good. That tends to be human nature where you have people with money being like, man, there's not enough soil for me to get my food. Like this shit needs to change. I hope it doesn't get to that point. I hope there's enough champions and there's enough people like you that are like, yo, we need to fix this before this happens and it's a big enough problem. Having listened to some of the other pieces of your content, you're an optimist like I am where it's just like, I believe that good is going to going to happen, how it's going to happen. I don't necessarily understand or I can't see the future, I can't read the future. But how does the average everyday person make the change in their inner circle. So like, let's think a little bit beyond hemp here. 
what you're talking about is just like quality of soil, quality of the farming industry. If there's one takeaway for someone listening to this that they can then go share with somebody else, what would that be? Find some connection to your supply chain and have some idea of like where your things are coming from. I think that some COVID showed us in bright colors how far we are from the things that we interact with. And I think like if we could just bring that a little bit closer, there would be major change. Planting a seed, you said that like something about the world going bad. My favorite song lyric is the world may be ending, but I'm still planting seeds. So like doing one little thing of like growing a a house plant or like growing some basil on your kitchen counter or whatever, like makes you feel so connected to like that little pot of soil. And like, if we could just expand that into more of like everyday material things, I think that like we would all feel more connected to each other and to the things that we deal with. That response deserved a pause there. <laughs> thanks, dude. That was so good. Yeah, thanks. Essentially, the biggest takeaway could be just ask yourself more questions and better questions around everything that you're involved in. Anything you're touching from clothes to food to the car you drive to where you live, have a why behind it. Just like you said earlier, have an intention behind everything that you do. And I like how honest and transparent you are because like for me, most of the, I'd say I'm an 80, 20 rule kind of guy. Like 80% of the time I'm eating super, super well, drinking super well, hydrating, sleeping. And then the other 20% of the time is I'm having a process thing or I'm doing this or that. And even if we can get people to do the 80, 20, that's realistic. That's, I feel like that's human nature naturally. And we've kind of, because of capitalism, and I love capitalism, I, I think that being able to create something, bring it to life, provide a value, and have an exchange for it is something magical. The problem we have with it is when the rules get rigged a little bit for things that a slight few are educated on and others have no idea. And that's kind of the transgression we've seen with the food industry where it's just the marketing behind it is just full of BS that most people don't understand. And that's a whole other conversation we can have another day. The only reason I wanted to say that is just like your response was so spot on where if people start questioning the things that they are marketed, even what we talked about here today, I want you to like listen to this podcast and still be like, go on Google and research hemp and research everything we said, like take everything with a grain of salt and and make your own decisions But the reality is it takes that type of thinking for change to be had. And the more people that we have on that boat that can come to a common conclusion that, okay, our soil is really fucked up and we need to, we need to change this for all ends of the spectrum here. This world's going to become a better place, but we're getting close to wrapping up here. And I just want you to talk a little bit about, I didn't get into this, um, but it's one of the things that caught my eye the most, honestly, when I was looking at your story is the little nonprofit that you started on the side of it. I'm really into giving back and one day I'm going to start my own B Corp through Thrive. So I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about what that nonprofit is and, and what you're doing on a daily basis to give back. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to walk the walk as hard as I can. And um, I'm claiming that hemp sequesters 
carbon. I'm claiming that hemp restores soil. I'm claiming that it can be used to do all these things. So like at the very least, I'm trying to just plant some additional hemp on fields that have been damaged from cotton production or from damage from like uh, mining, all sorts of things to help restore that soil and provide an example to like what things could be. Hemp's been used at the site of Fukushima to take nuclear toxins out of the ground. Over 80% of the soil in Texas has been damaged from cotton production. So there used to be like a thriving wine industry here, but because of all the chemical residue in the soil, they can't grow the grapes to the degree they need to grow the grapes to for them to thrive. To thrive. So I'm just trying to prove out to um, the common man that like we can sequester carbon right down the road if we wanted to just by planting this hemp. So it takes about 500 bucks to plant an acre of hemp. I donate, yeah, what a B Corp would, 2% of all my sales to go do that. And I'm hoping that other businesses and people, you know, will have interest and be like, oh, I want to partake in that too. And then like, there will just be all this hemp grown wherever it's grown and it can be donated to research. It can be donated to a whole slew of things. One thing that you can do with hemp is burn it in place of wood chips in a wood chip burning power plant. So like a trend in America right now is converting coal power plants to wood chip burning power plants. And those wood chip burning power plants can handle hemp briquettes. So like you just grow the hemp, cut it all up, press it into like what is a brick just from hydraulic pressure and then throw it in the the fire and it produces less sulfur, it burns cleaner and it burns at a higher BTU. So like one day down the road, man, I would love to see the hemp grown through this be donated to a power plant to produce power to run all of our electric cars. That's fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Before we get to our wrap up here, those that are listening, what is one way that they could help you out beyond giving you a million or $10 million? Um, spread the word. Tell your friends. Try some hemp crunchies. I would so appreciate it. I'm putting a whole bunch of new products on my website next week, like chocolate bars and like uh, ready-made milks and things like that for people to um, start integrating into their diet. And um, I think most importantly, like believe that better things can come. And um, like, I think there is a collective consciousness out there. So be optimistic and like think that uh, things are going to get better and they will. I love that. And thank you so much for spending time here today. It's been an awesome conversation. There's a lot more I feel like we can unravel here. So I, I foresee another conversation in the future. But anybody that was listening and they loved what they were hearing from you, what is the best way for them to get in contact with you? My email is hemp at cousinhemp.com and my website's cousinhemp.com. I'm on Cousin Hemp on every platform and you can find me in the streets of Austin. <laughs> That's it. Literally, because before yeah, we got on, up. <laughs> because before we got on this episode, uh, Michael was like, "Do you ever remember like somebody on the oh, trail yeah. like yelling legend at you?" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Holy shit, I do!" Like one time, I was running down the the lake, and I was with my wife Erin, and we're running, and some guy screams at me, "You're a legend!" And then Erin's like, "What the hell was that?" And I was like, "Some guy just called me a legend." Apparently, yeah. it was Michael. Um, so I appreciate you just spreading those good vibes here at Thrive and Life. That's what we try to do. And that's why one of my biggest takeaways that I always talk about in real life is just like setting intention and being optimistic and being that good vibe. And it's just 
awesome to be around somebody. And the way that you said it is like doing things out of love. And that was my biggest takeaway here today. No matter what you're doing, where you're at in your, in your world right now, you're at home, you're at a job, you're with your friends, your family, you're driving to work because you're listening to a podcast and that's what you do when you drive to work. How do you just take the time to be more intentional with everything that you're doing and doing a little bit more out of love? That's what's going to get this world to become a better place. And especially when it comes to our food, like how can we love ourselves a little bit more by integrating these healthier foods into our life? So shout out to Cousin Hemp. Shout out to you, Michael. It was an honor to have you here on the podcast today. Until next time, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.